Iof's warning, as told to the parish. My family, they did their best to keep me and Trouble apart. That I believe. They did not understand the whole of it, maybe, but they knew the danger for me. I think they would have just kept me at home, kept me always hidden from the world. But I was a curious boy. I wanted to see many things. When my parents went to Dala to trade, obviously I wanted to go with them. I remembered them telling me, we might run into the conclave. If you see someone dressed in gold, stay away. If they talk to you, keep your head low and do what they say. Don't try to reason with them. Don't answer back. Surprise! I did not listen. They were being tough on my parents, doing searches. I tried to make them look past, not see the things that we shouldn't have. That's how they got me. My parents tried to stop them taking me, but what could they have done against all that bad? Seven years, they made me do things I shouldn't have. Seven years till I got free. When we go south, keep your eyes sharp for the agents. If you see gold, run. Welcome to these flimsy rituals, a narrative-first role-playing podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today are Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXRain. Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, and you can find me at Seasilf Games. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm Steve, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And Fryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me at Thayrin. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at AdTDixon. And you can find the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. I thought we'd continue where we left off, which is in the library under the monastery uh, that's in Eulogy. We seem to be, like, approaching the final moments of, like, this situation. Should we do a quick sum up of, like, where everyone is and, and what they're doing right now? Um, I seem to remember I had just arrived on scene just in time for everything to finish. So, looking forward to that. <laughs> I think Venz and Belka were just retrieved the book and we were heading out after a bit of a spicy time getting it. We had an extremely spicy time. And I'm running down the stairs to go and into the secret vault for information that probably isn't there. <laughs> Oh no. After convincing a load of apparently responsible adults to allow a small child to get running into inevitable doom. But in fairness, they've had an extremely trying day, and I think Charlotte is just kind of the cherry on the top of that cake, isn't she? Just taking advantage of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of got like Belka and Vens at the bottom of this great well, and I think Belka is probably in. Or, like, on the floor at the bottom with a few of the other splinters. Venz, I think, is currently walking out of the vault that opened up, um, which is, like, the secure part of the library where, like, important books and documents are kept. And I think one of the things we found out last episode was, like, even uh, the Orskult, who is the leader of the monastery, doesn't necessarily have access to that vault, or, like, has some access, but it largely seems to be kept by Doya and its remnant, uh, Sistra. And then, sort of, like, maybe a few floors up, 
I think we have Charla, but between Charla and the rest of you are the agents of the Conclave, who are sort of mage hunters. And I think where we left off, you'd kind of... Velcro had managed to, like, manipulate time so one of them had fallen, uh, plunged from the chains to the bottom of the well and kind of fallen and snapped his neck. And because of the way that Belka had manipulated things, there was suddenly, like, a new member of the Conclave there who seemed... I mean, there's something about his bearing and, like, the way he dresses that makes him seem... makes him seem more significant. So yeah, they're probably like a floor or two above you. Um, I think when we left off, there'd just been a scream as well, as one of the splinters had fallen to them. The splinter Alvarest. And then, like, probably near the entrance is Briss. Briss, please, please come help us. <laughs> okay, so shall we start with Briss, who is... who has just entered the library? Did we have any scenes of you... After that, or had you just literally entered? I'd met um, Tilla. Yeah, and Obel. And, and Obel. Apart from that, no, I just uh, started heading down the down the, into the well, looking for Charla. Okay. So I think you're largely met with the same space that everyone else was, which is this kind of great spiral staircase that goes down, like, probably so deep that you can't quite see the floor. Sort of lining the well out of great bookcases and kind of chains that kind of link between them all, and some of them like lead downwards too. You can see doors uh, kind of coming off uh, from the stairways, and probably like little alcoves that people can stand in to let others pass by. So the stairs are quite narrow. I think you could maybe get like two abreast. Okay, cool. So how are you feeling right now? What What's on your mind? What are you doing? A little bit apprehensive. Going and sort of enclosed spaces is still a little bit sketchy after the cave. Um, and she's mostly an outdoor person, so a little bit scared, but Charla's down there. So just job to do, getting on with it, basically. That's extremely fair. And you're with Callan. Nilka had headed off. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, so how is Briss approaching this? What is she doing? Um... I think she spends a good a good little while looking down the pit, trying to sort of acclimatise her eyes to the darkness and seeing if there's, there's any sort of movement that's obvious down there, while also starting, starting to sort of move down. Um, I think she's got her spear out and is just moving carefully but quickly. Do you take off your veil? Yes. Cool. Um, well... I think it makes sense that you could probably see a bit better than everyone else could. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to make a pay attention to the world around you roll? Because that seems like what you're doing. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to... I think I'm actually going to roll scared. I think that's actually having an effect at the moment. That's pretty bad. That's a six. Seven. Seven. That's okay. I forgot I had a plus one. Yeah. <laughs> Seven is a success. Yay. So when you spend a moment to pay attention to the world around you, roll on a 10 plus, ask three, on a 79, ask one, and when you act on an answer, you get to take plus one forward. So the questions are, what's my best way in, out, past? What here is useful to me? What is the most dangerous thing here? What, if anything, has been overlooked? Um, 
what doesn't belong here, and what beliefs or superstitions exist about blank. A lot of useful questions there, I think. Yeah, I know, and I only get the one. So, I think, what's the most dangerous thing here? Sure, I, I think that's an easy one. Um, it's friends. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know he's here. <laughs> it is the two members of the Conclave that are down in the well. That I think you can see from above as small figures, uh, like the gold shining in torchlight, working their way down the flights of stairs and down the well. You're probably like six floors above them at the minute. And I think Terea all definitely seems dangerous, but the new figure that Belka kind of brought into existence or brought into existence here strikes you as like particularly dangerous. There's something about him that kind of just sets everything about yourself at like a state of heightened unease. And um, I think you can probably watch them from here. I think like this syncs up with the moment where we ended last episode, where there was the screen. So I think you watch as he uses his axe and shield to like burst through the wall that the splinters had brought up. And I think there's like one member of the splinters that stood there and they start to weave a spell, but before that can happen, this new member of the Conclave cuts them down brutally. So I haven't seen anyone from the Conclave before, have I? Because Aloma's not Conclave, right? No, Aloma's not Conclave. Okay. So this isn't a uniform that I recognise, apart from the people that I saw leaving or entering the city when we were up on the at the edge of the forest. Um... It, it wasn't even then. Like, I think oh, okay. the people entering the city had the same uniforms as Aloma. Oh, goody. Okay. So there's a third force in play, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you've seen these people before, but you can just tell by the way they move and, like, you know, the armor they're wearing. Mm. These aren't good people. They're kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. A, a bad deal. And they're probably better trained than you are. Cool. Good. Um, I'm going to start heading down. Cool. How are you heading down? Are you just going down the well? Um, take a few steps down, look over again, pull a shield off uh, where it's mounted on my back, um, and sort of take a, a second to get my arms strapped into the shield, and sort of take a deep breath and start heading down, just preparing, you know, getting calm and preparing for what might be a fight. Okay. And I think behind you, you heard um, Callan draw his sword, uh, which was uh, Reed's sword, which you gave him. Yep. And he kind of gives you like a grim nod as, as you move down the stairs. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I look back at him, glance at the sword and nod and just start heading down. Okay, so I'm just trying to think where to go next and... Maybe, maybe actually we'll stick with Briss uh, as she picks her way down the stairs, because I think there's like one last important scene to do before like you know you're free to kind of catapult your way down. And I think like as you're <laughs> running down this well and taking the stairs probably like two at a time, three at a time, uh, you run into two people coming the other way. One is like very small, and the other is a little bit larger. They're dressed in the robes of the monks. I don't think you've met them, but like it's the Orskult, uh Kalsun, 
and uh, one of her attendants, who I think is called Pertim, who is carrying right now, like, a, an extremely large grimoire, an extremely large and heavy grimoire, and Polly, like, steps to stand in front of the Orskult. Uh But I think she stops him. A kid came down here. Did you see them? She kind of, like, looks you once over, and Polly sees, like, either the veil that you've tied somewhere, or the veil that Callan has tied somewhere. A girl? About my height? Yep. She kind of, like, looks, like, takes, like, a long moment to look, as if she's calculating something. And then just nods, and says... She went towards the bottom of the well. She seems to think she can find something down there. I I don't know if I'd recommend following her, though. What do you mean? What's down there? <laughs> I, I think for the first time on screen, we probably see her, like, smile. And she's like, what isn't? Snarls. Members of the Conclave. Soldiers from the satrapy. You lot. All fighting over God knows what. And as soon as I get to the top, I'm... I'm afraid I'm going to have to seal this place. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I'm getting that kid and we're leaving. And she- we're leaving through the, the same way we came in. There's another way out. Where? At the bottom. If this place is left open, all of the information, all of these books, all of these memories, they'll be free for whoever or whatever comes along next. I cannot allow that. Well, if there's another exit, there's another entrance. Exits aren't always entrances. And the thing that guards that exit, it knows to seal it. How much danger is she in? Lots. Most of it isn't because of what's down here. You know about her, right? I know she needs help. That's about it. I pray to Doya that that is what you're going to give her. Please, will you stand aside? Go on then. Good luck. I suppose. May the remnants guide you. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> okay. Um, and she and Pertim shuffle along past you. Look back to Callan. Look a little bit concerned. Um, any of that mean anything to you? Conclave? Callan shakes his head and says, No. He's as clueless as you are. Well, if we have to fight, fight hard and hit first, right? Let's go. Okay, so Charla, where are you right now? What are you, what are you up to? I am heading down to the Vault of Forbidden Knowledge. Okay. That may or may not have interesting things. (laughs) 
So I, I think as you work your way down the stairs, uh, how, how are you approaching this? Like, what does this look like? Are you leaping downstairs? Are, are you nervous? I... I'm nervous, especially because I've just been warned about many things and many people don't want me to come down here. So I think I'm removing my veil and maybe trying to tap into Strail. Okay. Because I think we're going to need to have each other's backs. Is is that what you're sending to Strail right now? Yeah, it's... Chala's not currently in here to have a good time. I like how you say currently as though there's a possibility on the horizon that she could be having a good time in here later. I mean, it seems like kind of a cool space when it's not like falling apart and full of really terrified people and really scary people like a Loma. So, um, yeah, I think Chala is preparing for stuff to go down but really wants to get to the like the knowledge to try and figure out what's going on and how not to evaporate people on a whim but also but also ready to evaporate people on a whim if necessary potentially <laughs> maybe worrying um so how how are you reaching out to Strail right now is it just is it just a thought Strail's been very active today, so I think I feel like Strail won't be hard to reach. Yeah. So instead of a thought, maybe more of a feeling, because Strail's been sending feelings to Chala. I think Chala's going to try and do the same to Strail. What What is the feeling you send? This is probably the wrong feeling to send to Strail, but kind of adrenaline like okay. that that edge of fight or flight yeah okay um i think strail starts to respond to it there's a little bit more iciness from strail than you have felt in situations like this before there's definitely oh. like a guardedness to how oh, no. strail is feeling right now have i upset strail um no, I don't think that's the impression you get. I think it's like what you've been feeling a little bit from Strail the entire time, which is around the fact that it's in like a another remnant's territory. Oh, okay. And okay. this is like one of like central locations of that remnant's territory, and I think it's feeling a bit cautious because of that. I realize that maybe it was slightly ridiculous for me to be worried that maybe I'm not best friends with Strail at this exact moment. <laughs> but you know, still, you know that that's Charlo, right? But I think um, then the scream happened. The scream happens from like further down the well as, and I think you probably peer over the edge here, as one of the agents of the Conclave like just cuts down uh, this man you haven't seen before. And I think peering over the edge with your veil removed, you can see, you can probably see like a lot of the scene and situation laid out ahead of you. So maybe like a layer or a floor below you uh, probably, like, on the opposite side, you can see the two agents of the Conclave. They've just cut down this one, like, young man. And you can see, like, another person running from them, maybe, like, the floor be beneath them. And then, like, the floor beneath that it opens out into this mosaic-tiled room. And you can probably see the outline of Belka. You can see a few other figures that you don't recognize. 
you can see the hole where all of these chains lead into. And I think this is the thing that changes Strail's emotions the most. You can see the open doors of the vault. And you feel like Strail wake up, like, all the way through you. It is massively interested in that thing. And it's willing to put whatever strength it has, like, remaining to use to get there. Oh, dear. But that's also where we want to go anyway, so that's fine. At least we're aligned. <laughs> um, how, how does Charlie react to seeing... To seeing the Conclave. I mean, I've been told that they're to avoid them at all costs, pretty much. And also to expect them. Sure. I guess more specifically, how does she feel about seeing the Conclave cut someone down? Is this... Because other than your thing, like other than unleashing the ice bear, is this the first time that Charla has seen death? Or like humans committing violent acts? Quite possibly, actually. Like, the first murder, or however you would yeah. classify this. I guess it's murder. It's not quite big enough as, like, war type thing. And it's, like, definitely very different from, like, what the ice bear did, or what you did with the ice bear. Like, I think that was relatively clean in comparison. I mean, no one was there afterwards. Yeah. I think horrified might be a good word. A little bit scared and probably kind of angry, but also really wanting to get to the vault. It's a lot of emotions. And there's Strails too. I think Strails' feelings are like very similar to when you first went into the storm. That feeling of like being at the edge of something, dancing your last dance. That's what Strail is feeling right now. Excellent. I'm sure this will go amazingly. So, if I go down the stairs, which seems like the most logical way to get down to the bottom, I have to go through the conclave? Yes. Um, the other way that is probably very obvious is the chains as well. Like, they all kind of filter down into this hole and come from everywhere. And are they moving? Um, I guess a little bit. Like... I feel like you haven't noticed this before, but now you look, there's almost like a slight slivering motion to all of them. Do they look sturdy? They are like extremely sturdy. They are like solid iron like rings, probably each of them like a few inches thick. Okay, then I would like to climb down the chains in the least noticeable fashion possible. Okay, um, this sounds like an unthreatening move, right? It does sound like an unthreatening move, which unfor unfortunately requires rolling. Yeah. So, unthreatening is when you want to hide, sneak, or otherwise remove attention from yourself, roll. On a 10+, plus, you do it. On a 7 to 9, you do it, but pick one. You leave tracks or marks of your presence. Someone else attracts attention in your place. Alright, well... Are you still feel feeling horrified? Yes, but I don't know if that is anger or fear. It's up to you. I guess it's a question of like how Charla would process. So far, it's generally been. I think it would. I think it might actually be anger. Yeah, that that kind of feels true. Um, maybe not understanding that she's angry, but I think she would be angry. So, let's see. 
No. That was not very good. Oh, no. That's a six? Yeah. I mean, you are trying to climb down chains quietly. Chains famously known as the quiet rope. <laughs> like rope, but musical. <laughs> There's no problems here. I mean, as Charles' ideas go, it's probably one of the one of the better ones. Okay, um, so you begin to climb down the chains. I think we've already established Charlo as like a really good climber, so I think this yes. is pretty easy for you. But as you get further down, it kind of becomes weird. There are bits of the chains that you like reach to grab, and then they're suddenly not where they were. Hmm. They're here and not here, and like they keep messing up, and it's like there's nothing to tell you that that's going to happen. It's like oh. If I if I reach here, I will grab this chain, and then in the next second you're like, no, of course that's not true. The chain is like two inches that way. Confusing. And you kind of are left just hanging in the middle of this like massive chains, unable to really move because every time you try to like move in any way, you just can't find the next connection. And I think you're probably like in a similar position to where Makot was when he fell. Good. And. I think they notice you. I think the two members of the Conclave notice you. And and I think the people on the ground also notice you too. They can probably hear you moving through the chains. The member of the Conclave with the axe and the shield, who has like the bug-shaped helmet, points at you. And he directs the other member, Treya all your direction. Fantastic. And that first one, whose name, as I remember it, is Zender Bross continues to move down the stairs towards uh, the splinters, and Terea all moves to like the wall of chains, pulls out a knife, and starts cutting through them one by one. The blade somehow like sizzling through the metal. Good. Uh, down below. Vens. You're still within the vault, right? Are you leaving? Yeah, I think we were ready to go. We had no other reason to stay. <laughs> Gotta get everyone out now. Sure, there's nothing else you're looking for or interested in? Well, I think the only thing fans would be interested in is seeing the rest of the people from the Splintered Breath. Sure. And you're not looking at the book right now, you're just carrying it. I think, yeah, it's definitely not time for sitting down and having a read. <laughs> <laughs> that is extremely fair. And I think Felsate has the same idea. I think you both pick up these grimoires, which... I like the ones Pertin were holding, which are, like, huge and really heavy. I think your one is, like, pale blue leather. Uh, I think it has, like, images of fawns and thistles embossed in it, but, like, somehow those, like, fawns and thistles and, like, the trails of them seem to, like, change into chains as they reach the bottom. And I think the one that you see Falsate is holding is leather of multiple colours. It's almost, like, gradiented. Um, with patches of white and brown and orange and red. And I think it is otherwise, like, plain. I don't think there are any symbols carved or embossed into it. Uh, I think you both pick up the books. Falsate takes one last look around the library. There's definitely a part of her that wishes she could stay here and, like, read more. And you both walk out of the vault and back into the central floor. Um, There you can see all of the splinters seem to be looking up. Or, like, looking two ways. I think, like, half of them are looking up towards where you see, like, Charla is hanging from some chains. And the other half are looking 
uh, towards the stairs. I think a couple of them are like looking towards the stairs, like getting ready for something that must be coming down. And Belka, what what is Belka doing right now? Uh, where was I last time we were here? I wasn't in the library, was I? I was just hanging out. Yeah, I think you're just in like the central floor. I think Vent had gone into a library and you kind of waited. Where am I in relation to Charla? Was I like particularly far away from where she was trying to start climbing the ropes? I guess my question is, is it conceivable for me to try and be standing underneath her at the very least? Because I think for anyone else who's watching, Charla trying to climb the ropes and just looking really confused and like grabbing her air is going to be like, oh, this child's really bad at climbing, I guess, for Belka. Oh, that's a lot of guilt. Oh, I did. That is my fault, though. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, Yes, you can definitely get into a position underneath Charla. I think Charla's like maybe a couple of floors up. So I don't think she's particularly high. I think the thing with like Makot was that they fell onto their head. And I think the position that would be under Charla would be sort of where Makot is lying right now. Okay, I'm going to try and surreptitiously kick the corpse a little bit out of the way and then stand under Charla. I have a lot of questions about why Charla is here, but maybe those aren't for this exact moment. Sure. Are you saying anything to Charla? I think right now, probably not. I think it's just too confusing that they're here and too wildly upsetting that they are clearly trying to climb down on chains that I made partially not exist. <laughs> um, so I think I'm quite focused on just being right underneath her in case of the inevitable fall. Okay. And I think the rest of the snarls are moving into position. So I think Mishto has just arrived downstairs and is desperately trying to refold some of the walls behind them. I think I'm probably trying to like make fall beckoning motions at Charla actually because. The options are safe on the ground or suspended in partial reality chains. And although the ground is awful, it might be better. Sure. Um, I think Charla will probably see this. I, I think we see um, we see, see like Terea like cut another couple of the chains, and then Charla, you see as it kind of like jerks as you fall a little bit. You see Belka is below you. Good, good. Okay, that's at least one good thing. It's one not awful thing. Good might be pushing it. Do you let go? Yeah, I trust Belka. Okay. I'm sure they'll catch one me. One of you is going to have to tempt fate. Uh, do I have to tempt fate or would this be a protect? Well, protect is like explicitly when someone has taken harm. I mean, I feel like the harm is imminent rather than has taken. But... Yeah. Well, also protect is like if someone's taken harm, you take that harm in their place. I don't think Charlo has taken harm yet. I mean, I could tempt fate, and then you could protect me if I fail. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a better way of doing it. Sure. It feels like one of us is going to get hurt in some way or another maybe, in this action. Maybe. Or maybe Belka is awesome. <laughs> maybe Belka is very, very strong. I mean, yes? Yeah, I can see it being uh, protect. That makes sense. Um, so protect is when you put yourself... Between another and harm roll. On a 10 plus, protect them and suffer little, minus one harm in their place. On 7 to 9, you take all of the harm. So I think, let's see how the roll goes. Ooh, that's a lot of harm. Okay. There's probably two harm from falling. Um, how are you feeling? 
This is probably a scared roll, which is tipping me towards spiking in scared, which is great. But I can't see any other conceivable action to seeing a child who shouldn't be here dangling from the ceiling. Yep, that makes it's, a lot of sense. That feels like it's scared. Okay, that is a nine. Woo! Belka's good at protecting. Can't wait to break my arms. No, don't do that. It would be worse if you broke your horns. Oh no! Oh no! So in a seven to nine, I take all the harm. Yeah, um, so I think that was too harm from the fall. So I think Charla, like, falls and you catch her, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think you catch her cleanly. I think you kind of have to fall down and kind of take the brunt of the force. Okay, so good news, folks. I'm one wound away from mortal. Oh, no. That's, oh, dear. That's both oh, my no. criticals. Oh, wow. Oh, no. You should have let me take harm. Remember how I got stabbed recently? Because I had forgotten <laughs> <Yeah>. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I, I think this, like, probably opens the wound a little bit, because you did heal it, but oh, I think this reopens no. it. Yeah, that makes sense. You should have just let me get hurt. You are an actual child, fine. though. I don't feel like I could just let you hit the floor and be like, oh, well, I did get stabbed recently, so, you know. I'm a child slash revenant. I'm sure something would have not died. Okay. Um. So Vens, I think you watch uh, Charla fall into Belka's arms and like Belka stumble to the floor, and then your attention is drawn by a figure in gold, um, reaching the bottom of the stairs. I think you've probably been like half watching as some of the snails tried to prevent them from getting down. Um, but they kind of walk into the room, and it is the figure with the golden bug eyes, and the shield, and and the sword. Oh, I thought he had an axe. Oh, it is an axe, sorry. They kind of like look around the room slowly, and the snarls at the base of the stairs just like back away from them. What do you do? Um, I think Venz is slipping into some older habits, sort of, sort of joining the ranks and sort of joining the line that's forming to try and stop them from coming any further. Okay. I think maybe he's come up next to Gyladin, perhaps just because it's probably the one he remembers the most, now that Keen's gone. And, you know, just leans in and says, we got to stop him. We can't let them get any closer. I think Zender stops, like, looking around and kind of focuses on the group that has formed, like, you and Polygyla, and Felsate, and says, Order your followers to stand down, or I will be all of your deaths. You look over to Felsate, and Felsate doesn't look like she's ready to stand down. What do you do? I think Venz is going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here, <laughs> and um, just say, you haven't given us a reason to stand down. Why Why should we? I gave you your reason. Do you want to die here? I suppose that's a good reason. Um, <laughs> and he takes another step forward. I think Venz puts his arm on one of Gyladin's shoulders and says, perhaps if we do this together, we can, we can really hold them back. Do you have any ideas? Two seconds. Let me just remind myself what kind of magic Gyla does. 
Her domain is rhythm, step, the ceremony of dance. <laughs> Can we please make him dance? Dance him to death. <laughs> oh no, we're doomed. That seems like the worst possible kind of magic to crack out in this chamber that's now full of strail. I'm super into it. <laughs> she looks at you and... As she did when you used to know her, like her domain, the remnant that her domain gave her is like around rhythm and step and like dance, as I just said. So I think she just starts humming. And I think like the other snarls start humming or like whistling too. Uh, do you join in? It's a song I think you know. 100%. But I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm kind of imagining it's the beginning of Thunderstruck. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like that kind of it it's not like a nice song. It's like, okay, this is everyone getting into step almost. And like Zender kind of falters a little bit. And then does do you know like, that cartoon smile of like, huh, it's time to fight sort of thing? Like Zender does that. And let's cut to Briss. So I think you've been like rushing downstairs, right? Mm-hmm. Towards where you saw stuff, and you you see all of this. You've probably seen a bit where Charla climbs out onto the ropes, and you see Terea all begin to cut the chains, and you see Charla fall into Belka's arms. And I think, like, just as Terea swears to himself and starts to like get ready to go downstairs and join Zender, you're probably like right next to him. Yeah, I'd like to kind of brace my brace my spear against my offhand and just kind of try and poleaxe him and knock him over the edge. Yeah, that makes sense. Just a big big swing with the with the haft of it. Yeah, so I think um, this is probably a use force, right? Yeah, sounds about right. And how is Briss feeling right now? Um, she's been psyching herself up, well, calming down, getting herself in, prepared basically, sort of emptying herself of emotion as much as possible. I think she's actually feeling quite peaceful. Like, this is inevitable, this has to happen. Is this her, like, first fight? Yeah, yeah, it's the first time she's actually done anything. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, 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 uh, Corpus, a little yeah. bit. There was a bit of swinging at vines. Okay. Um, so when you use force, roll. On a 10 plus, pick two. On a 79, pick one. Okay. Um, that's, I believe, a 10. Cool. Um, so your options are you suffer little harm, you inflict great harm, you drive back, seize hold of something, or create an opportunity. Um, cause great harm and create an opportunity. Okay. Um, so I think as you charge down the stairs um, and kind of like swing the poleaxe at Treya, he just seems to know you're there like almost instinctively. And just kind of spins and drives uh, the back of his hook, like, I think, into your shoulder. Um, so I think you take free harm for that. Ooh. Oh, okay. Remember um, to, like, modify it by armour, if you've got any. Yes, yes, I do, luckily. <laughs> Is it two armour you've got, or one? Uh, one, just the one. Okay. So I'm going to take two. Is that the first piece of harm you've taken at the minute? I've taken a light wound, but I think that might be old, actually. Yeah, I think that should have healed. It might have healed by now, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to take uh, a light and a moderate. Okay. But I think at the same time, you manage to like hit Terea, and he like staggers backwards from the blow and falls back over the edge, 
kind of like a nice mirroring of what happened to Belka earlier. And he kind of like falls towards the bottom of the well. You say you're using like the back end of this? Just just like the 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 haft of it below the below the head. Okay. So I'm not actually using the, the blade, just taking a big long swing and trying to get as much sort of area against it, push it as far back as I can over the edge. So I think the great harm comes in two ways. One is that you probably inflicted like a similar wound that Charla would have had if she'd fallen all the way, which is like two harm. But the other part of it is I think as he falls, you realize that his hook is still embedded in your shoulder. Like that weapon at least has been disarmed. <laughs> Good. And he lands um, at the base of of the well, a little bit away from everyone else, uh, probably probably closer to the vault than everyone else is at the minute, because like I think everyone else has moved away from there. And Callan kind of like arrives behind you and like looks down, and then continues running. Are you doing the same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the create opportunity. I'm thinking. Briss doesn't necessarily know it's happening, but I'd quite like it if that could distract distract the other one just to give the the snarls a bit of a, uh, a an opening rather than for for me. If you know what I mean. I think part of that is the driving back and causing Terea to fall, but I think it's definitely going to have that impact as well. So yeah, I think as you said, it creates that opportunity for like Vens and the rest of the snarls to kind of act in this moment. I think there's like. A slight moment where Xander is distracted by Terea falling. And Vens, is this is this when you unleash uh something? Yeah, I think I think Vens is instinctively gonna go for some sort of a disabling move whilst they're distracted. Okay. Uh like what do you mean by disabling? Probably like a knock to the floor or something. Like I think Vens is probably imagining in his head like a sort of a gust of wind or something to knock them back onto their back. Sure. I think the thing you pick up on as you're kind of weaving this is that like everyone seems to be moving much more harmoniously than what you used to. I, I guess you probably remember this from like Gyla before, but Gyla is very good at like bringing people together. And it's probably like a little bit like a bit like a band, maybe. You're kind of drawn in and you can almost use each other's power a little bit. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that would be the case. And I think that probably leads to Ven's feeling quite in his zone, like quite powerful, actually, in this moment, like back in the gang. I, I think the one thing, though, because of like who Zender is, because they're an agent of Conclave, before you weave a spell, I think you're going to need to tempt fate. Okay. So, how is Ven's feeling? Yeah, as I said, I guess powerful. He's he's in the groove, he's with his gang. And even though he's not supported by a remnant in this time, he's still feeling pretty good about himself. Bit less to worry about, since he's not the only snarl here. Okay. Um, and what's your your bonus from that? So my powerful is now plus two. Nice. I leveled up. So when you attempt fate roll, on a 10 plus you do it, on a 7 to 9 you can do it, but there's a cost. The fates offer a worse outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice. Oh boy, that's a 5. Do you know, like, I can't believe you made it harder for me to do magic. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible, but here we are. That is a 5. Um, Powerful boy. <laughs> I think you can all feel it 
as you all draw on your different sources of, like, power and energy. I think you can hear it in the music of Gyla in Falsay, who begins to, like, almost, like, weave new things out of the web of spirits around her. Or Atta, who, who kind of, like, seems to harden and grow more stubborn and more grounded and kind of, like, feeds that to you all. Is a bit like a gem kind of crystallizing in the heat of the earth, becoming something better. And also in, like, Wonan, whose pink magic and spells you saw earlier, that, like, brightness seems to grow within her as she begins to, like, light that fire of, like, brilliance and, and vigor and drive. And Mishto, too, who is the closest to Zender in a minute, who begins to, like, weave some fractals out of the air. I don't think to block this time, but I think to more do damage. And you can feel it yourself. I think this is like the first time that you've weaved the spell in a while and it's felt good. At least the first time since the shadow passed away. And then Zender just says no, and all of that energy disappears. It's like the entire room is a void without the threads of spirit between you all. Last chance. Stand down. <laughs>